Welcome to Between the Lines. I'm Sarah M. Eden here today with Esther Hatch and our special guests, Josie Kilpack, Sarah McConkie, and Annika Walker. Today, we are going to be talking about the astronomically popular seasonal favorite, Christmas romances. Uh, to get us started, to help you get to know our special guests, we have a question for you ladies. What is a favorite holiday tradition of yours? So for me, growing up, I have a sister whose birthday is on Christmas, which sounds really cute until you realize that when you share a birthday with Jesus and everybody gets presents, you kind of get lost a little bit in the shuffle. So my mom introduced a Christmas Eve dinner when, I was, when we were growing up, and she would go to a lot of effort to make something super fancy and super nice, and this was all about celebrating my sister, Crystal. And so... Um, we would have a candlelight dinner and, you know, the fancy china and things like that, which I'm one of nine kids, so it was no small feat to pull off. But I've continued that with my family, and I absolutely love it. I prepare for it, get ready for it, and then we have this dinner that's just unlike any other dinner that we do throughout the year. And it kind of brings a cool atmosphere to the whole day, and my kids look forward to it. We have English trifle, which is kind of a tradition in my family again that's the only time we have it every year and for me that's when Christmas like starts like I'm not the fluff of the holiday usually overwhelms me so by the time we get to Christmas Eve and I can turn out the lights and put on the candles it's like ah, okay we're finally here I love that. It just occurred to me that our listeners probably don't know you by voice. So that was Josie oh, Kilpack. <laughs> I, meant, I meant to say who you were before we started. Let's hop over to Sarah McConkie. What is a favorite holiday tradition of yours? All right. Well, I had a hard time picking, so I'm going to briefly just go through two. Um, in, the, in this anthology that you guys hopefully will read, there's a lot of talk about a Yule log, which is a big um, piece of wood that has fallen in the wilderness I, there is an edible baking version of this that I love to make every um, Christmas. And it is basically like a rolled up chocolate cake with chocolate frosting inside and chocolate ganache on top. So one of my favorite things to do is to make a Yule log that you can eat. Um, and another thing that we love to do with my family, I still have little kids. And so we do a picture book advent. Every single night we open a new picture book. Um, and we have a big collection of our, of our own, and we also raid the library, and it's fun for them to get to hear different Christmas stories every night. So that's what we do. I love that. Um, we burn a Yule log at our house every year and light each year's Yule log with the last remaining piece of the previous year's Yule log. You know, all that old-timey stuff. Wait till my kids find out there's an edible Yule log. You just <laughs> saved Christmas. <laughs> Annika, what is a favorite tradition of yours? Well, I have lots of really fun traditions that I do with my family, but in lieu of everyone talking about food, I'm going to mention my favorite indulgence, which is hot chocolate. And I know that might sound cliche, but I can never get warm the entire month of December, no matter how many layers I have on. And there's just something special to me about having hot chocolate like every single night. <laughs> and I just love it. I put in different flavors or whatever, add some cinnamon or some vanilla or some creamers or whatever. And that just puts me in the perfect mood. I love that. I I'm a fan of hot chocolate. <laughs> so I can appreciate that. Esther, I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you okay. have a favorite holiday tradition? I feel like in our family, we're very like just traditional. We haven't made any special treats or anything for us. So, but my favorite, favorite thing is just Christmas morning. It's dark downstairs. My husband always 
spreads out the gifts. We don't put them all out until the night before. Some of them we do, but not all. And then he'll spread them out to make them look humongous, even if they're, you know, like nothing's on top of each other. It's just like, like the room has been taken over by presents and the kids have to wait at the top of the stairs for us before they can come down and the lights are on the tree. And I just love that moment of anticipation as you come down the stairs as a family and get to celebrate Christmas. That's fantastic. Sometimes it's the simplest aspects of our traditions that we love the most. So fabulous. All right. We have invited these three ladies here to talk today because they all have stories in an upcoming uh, Christmas anthology. It hits shelves really soon. It's called Meet Me Under the Kissing Bough. And uh, as we were talking about this, it occurred to us Christmas-themed romances are huge. I mean, the Hallmark Channel does their Christmas movie marathon that I swear lasts six months out of the year, and we never get tired of them. So our question to start out here is, why do you think Christmas and romance go together so well? Why is that such a popular combination? Well, this sounds cheesy, but tis the season for love, right? (laughs) So I really don't know another month where we see more evidence of this emotion. You see neighbors serving each other and people just spending more time with their family. But besides that, this aspect for romance, there's time off work and you've got people taking holiday trips and this beautiful backdrop, backdrop of snow. And it really provides just all these opportunities for two people to fall in love. And I just love that. That's great. Yeah, I think that this time of year, people's hearts are just open. They're, they're willing to receive love and to give out love. Um, and I think obviously that um, is reflected because Christmas is about Christ. And I just also think that um, people are wanting a little bit of a change. They're wanting happiness. It's the darkest time of the year. It's the coldest time of the year. And so the juxtaposition of the love and the happiness versus the cold, I think even brings it out more. I think there's also just kind of a romanticism about Christmas time that doesn't have to do necessarily with love affair romantic, but just romantic in the sense of we try and get everything right and we're, you know, seeing people and and reestablishing connections. And so I think there's a sense of nostalgia that comes along with that and, and that this romance of just wanting everything to be just, just right, high expectations. And so it makes for a perfect backdrop for a love story, for for romance, along with everything that Sarah and Annika have said, you know, our hearts are open, and there's such a such an emphasis on on love and um, and reconnection. And there's also super fun things to do, right? So if you're putting together a romance, <laughs> then you have like dates and events and stuff that can naturally bring people together, which you're always looking for as a as a writer. I love that, and I feel like, of course, at Christmas time, there's always going to be some Scrooge that needs to learn the true meaning of Christmas, right? Right. (laughs) Amen, Esther. (laughs) That's right. Um, Going along with that, I just feel like it's an interesting thing with so many Christmas romances um, out there. I think all of us have written at least one. Sarah's probably written how many? I don't know. A lot. (laughs) Um, Do you ever feel like it's hard to find something original, something that will capture a Christmas story in a different way. So it isn't just the like, oh, here's a Scrooge. We have to teach him the true meaning of Christmas. There's got to be, what are what are some things that make it more original for your story this time around or just in general what you try to look for in an original Christmas love story? 
So for me, I like to find uh, something, for me personally, I like to find something that I didn't know as much about. And so these stories that we're telling are all based in Regency time period, which had some some unique traditions of its own um, with its relationship to Christianity at the time and, and holidays and things. And so I... I like for this particular book, I looked up different Christmas traditions and several of them I knew about, but there were there were a couple that I didn't. And a lot of mine focuses on fifth night, um, which is one night of the 12 days of Christmas, which actually happens after Christmas, which I learned from Sarah Eden many years ago. And um, so I kind of had that as my focal point. And that's what I found super helpful with any Christmas story I've told, whether it's modern or not. But I try and find something new that's new to me. And I figure if it's new to me, then there's a pretty good chance that it's going to be new to the people that are reading it or a certain number of them. And um, so I kind of base it on that. And that's what allows me because each time I'm asked to do a Christmas story or decide to do it, I have that same feeling. I'm like, oh, my gosh, every story has been told a hundred times how do I make this stand out? And so I think the, the first step is just really looking for something that's going to stand out. I love that. I am taking notes, Josie, because this was a really hard question for me as I was thinking about what what is it that makes it, you know, how do you make a story unique? And I think this is something that we as authors struggle with with every story, despite if it's Christmas or not. And Honestly, for me, it comes down to making the characters unique. And if I can come up with unique characters and their unique struggles, then the story itself is going to have its own unique voice. And I think each of us as authors do bring that unique voice to the table, but also that of our, of our characters. And um, that's the best I can do, but I am listening, guys. I'm taking notes. <laughs> that's awesome. I So for me, this was a little bit of a, of a different task, I wanted to take a retelling and, or I wanted to take a story and make it into a retelling. And so that has its own unique challenges. And in this case, I retold um, A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, which has three ghosts. And I didn't think that I could really pull off three ghosts. So I guess what made mine a little bit more unique was just trying to um, put this into a context that that worked for my time period and for my um, you know, the culture and the, and the people around me. So that was, that was pretty fun to do. Um, I also got to listen once to Sarah speak at a writing conference. And one thing she said was flip the gender of the main character. So I do have a Scrooge in my book, but my Scrooge is a beautiful young woman instead of an old crusty man. So that made it a little different. I love that. Yeah, it's it's amazing how just making that little change, I mean, not little change, but you know, that adjustment to a story changes the dynamics because like Annika said, when your characters become unique, your story becomes unique. So just by making your Scrooge character young and female in the early 1800s instead of the mid 1800s, you've already changed the dynamics of the story. So that makes it unique. So yeah, I love that. Okay, so one thing that uh, readers might not realize is that because of publication schedules and due dates, um, it's very, very unlikely if you're working on a Christmas story that you're going to be writing it during the Christmas season. Um, I've written a number of Christmas stories and I always end up writing them in the spring just because that's when it it works out in my schedule. Um, So my question for you is, were you able to write your Christmas story for this anthology during Christmas? Or was it not during Christmas? And if so, how did you get in the Christmas mindset? 
So for me, <clears throat> I try really, really hard to start my Christmas stories at Christmas time, even if their deadline is out a little while, a little ways. Um, even if it's just that first chapter for me, the first chapter is a lot of um, a lot of my story, a lot of my brainstorming. So I did start this one at Christmas time, um, I think right after Christmas, uh, so that I would at least have it in my head. And I don't think I got back to it again until like March, but I had at least started it at Christmas. So um, I have other stories that I have had to start during different times of the year. And it's worked okay, but almost everyone I've done has overlapped Christmas either in the beginning or at the end somehow, and that helps me a ton. I'm not as great at putting myself in that setting. Like, I know you like listening to carols or whatever during the year, and so I try and try and hit the Christmas as much as I can. Awesome. Well, I'm going to just quote from Charles Dickens again. And he says, I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. <laughs> so I feel like this took me a long time to get this story right. And so I think I experienced it at all times of the year. But I remember listening to the audiobook of A Christmas Carol, and that kind of helped me get in the feel. And I think I did that. I, I remember like listening while I was exercising, and I don't like to exercise in the winter. So I feel like it must have been the summer. Um, but <laughs> yes, so I was running somewhere listening to, to the retelling or to this original story. And I just think that, you know, you can get into it. it, it it's a good, there's good messages throughout the whole time of year. So it is a little bit harder for sure, like Josie said, but that's, that's how it worked for me. Awesome. For me, I feel like this is when you really have to have a great imagination as a writer. And I feel like I can relate to fantasy writers actually right now because I, I remember being in the middle of the summer and it was 90 degrees outside and I was trying to write a Christmas story. And as a fantasy writer, you have to create a world in your head. But as a historical writer, you're trying to live in a world that existed but you're also trying to recreate a setting that is not familiar to you, you know, at the time. So you're trying to add in elements and memories of what you've experienced during the Christmas season yourself and then transplant it back in time. And it's, it's a unique experience writing Christmas in the summer. But um, I think there's some of those emotions that you have in romance that are so timeless and right. that you can apply to it to any time of year that make that easy. And so for me, sometimes I have to really focus on the romance and then come back and fill in the setting details. That's I love smart. that. Yeah. So I think we've established that Christmas time is kind of an ideal setting for romance and for creating these beautiful stories. I'm curious if you guys have any other favorite times of years or seasons or holidays that you would just love to write a book and set a book in as well. Well, I I will start this one. I love writing um, any time of the year just because romance is just so fun, right? And <laughs> especially probably in the fall when you've got those vivid descriptions of the leaves changing colors. Yeah. But because I write primarily Regency, I like to write a lot in the summertime. And just because then you can pull your characters away from London in the season and get them in a more intimate setting. So summer stands out to me. I love that. Well, and I, I agree with Annika. One of my favorite stories is to write summertime, um, summertime romances. There's just something about, especially in England, you're going to have more sunshine and, and uh, warmer temperatures, and, but the pressure's off of having been in London and stuff. So I, I'm, I'm with her. I love, the, I love the summertime romances. 
Yeah, that was something that uh, surprised me the first time I traveled to the British Isles. I was there in the winter, and the sun was down by 4.30. <laughs> I thought, I'm kind of glad I set my romances in the summer because they run out of daylight real quick around here. <laughs> so, no, that's awesome. All right, well, before we let you guys go, um, I would just love to hear from you guys just a quick uh, summary or hook of the story that you have in the Meet Me Under the Kissing Bow anthology because I love Christmas stories and I love anthologies. So I want to hear what they're all about. Well, mine is called Hilling Hartsville Holidays and it's a little bit of a Romeo and Juliet trope. And uh, Juliet is not allowed to have a romance with Esmond and she's not even allowed to associate with her with his family. And they stumble upon some letters and some secrets and start having some um, little rendezvous and a romance inevitably inevitably develops. I love that. Awesome. Mine's called The Christmas Correspondence. And like I already mentioned, it's um, a retelling of A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. Um, But in this, there's a beautiful young heiress, and she is just kind of having to confront the awful life that she's made. Um, And she has to do this through her past, her present, and her future. And she gets three letters um, kind of delivered to her, brought to her um, by a handsome gentleman. So you can guess if she will change who she is and if the gentleman, the messenger, will have anything to do with that. So This is one of those times when you definitely don't want to shoot the messenger, right? Yeah. <laughs> she does in the beginning, but she kind of works through as readers. Of course. Yes. <laughs> I love, first, I just love that you did three letters as you're like your three ghosts. That's brilliant. Isn't it? That's Very fantastic. Well done. Comes from the crusty old dad that was, that is sad that well, he you, your, you got your crusty old gentleman into your story. Yes. Nice. Yes, there's even somebody named, um, there's a, there's somebody that is similar to Ebenezer. So I'm not going to ruin that for you. But there is that kind of nice. Easter eggs at Christmas time within your story. That's awesome. Nice. Well done. <laughs> Um, so mine is Meet Me Under the Kissing Bow, and it is a second chance romance, which has been kind of my theme the last couple of years. Um, and so Deborah is a widow, and she, before her husband's passing, the, his family had a tradition of hold, hosting a Christmas house party. And so house parties were two-week forays where people came together and did all kinds of activities, and, and this one centered around the 12 days of Christmas. And so, But Deborah has invited... Uh, a gentleman that she is interested in pursuing a connection with so that they have some time together. And, and then of course everything goes awry. So this is kind of her attempt at a second chance and then having to kind of redefine her future and redefine her place in the world. I love that. Those all sound fantastic. I, I think everyone, including me, <laughs> needs to rush. I can't wait to read all of those. those right? Yay. Well, that's fabulous. Thank you, uh, ladies, for joining us here for Between the Lines today. Again, we had Josie Kilpack, Sarah McConkie, and Annika Walker with us. Uh, this has been fantastic, ladies. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having Thank us. you so much. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. Yay.